This is Gutterball. The Lebowski Deepcast. Like, oh, it's a heist movie. No, it's a stoner movie. In each episode, Brad and Adam discuss a single minute of The Big Lebowski. They were teasing this movie in a way that made it seem like a heist. Providing insight. His dance is just excellent. So graceful. Commentary. You got your undies hanging out of your ringer. And conjecture. He has found himself in a world turned upside down. And now, Gutterball. All right. Hey, hey, Adam. Brad, how you doing, man? I am doing a okay. You were working a little late tonight. What happened? I was there? doing something. Yeah. Well, you were right. I had some extracurricular insanity to deal with. Tr- pure insanity. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. Dare I inquire? No. Let's just move on. <laughs> I can't I can't revisit that. <laughs> well, we don't have to revisit that. We could revisit something from last minute, maybe. Let's do that. All right, so Walter is still not actually smoking a Marlboro Red in this scene. I don't know what's going on here with these, but they must be these, like, not those, what are those things that, you know, the hipsters, when they weren't called hipsters before they were called Clove? hipsters. Cloves, right? It's like... See, I knew exactly right. where you are going. You said hipster, and I was like, <laughs> yeah. oh, cloves. But it's these, like, fake cigarettes that don't have all the rat poison and shit in them. That, like, mm-hmm. actors who don't smoke, if their character is required to smoke, like... I don't know, I think they have these fake cigarettes... So I think he's carrying around this pack of Marlboro Reds, but he's not smoking Marlboro Reds because, again, the whole thing is white. Marlboro Reds, I looked this up, the history, just to make sure I wasn't crazy, but back when my brother and I used to sneak out onto the stone row back in the woods, he had Marlboro Reds, and we would, you know, smoke one. I couldn't inhale it, obviously. But even back then, and this was probably, you know, the mid to late 80s even back then they had that yellow filter and sort of speckled it's it's, i guess yellowish orange i guess more orange than yellow kind of speckled so i know for a fact that even in the mid to late 80s they had that yellow filter so you're saying in this scene which is a fairly long shot and the cigarette is between walter's fingers there's still glimpses of what's Beyond his fingers. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. there definitely is. Yeah, yep, he, he, puts, he tilts his hand forward. Yeah. And it's completely white. It's all white. The whole thing is white. And you can see, even so, you can see in the ashtray, all that remains are filters, and they're white, too. Which, you know, maybe that was somebody else's ashes, but Gary would have emptied those when they sat down. He'd give them a fresh ashtray. So. Well, did they ever sell, like, a filterless Marlboro in this with could be in that i mean walter maybe he views a filter as some kind of a front to his machismo i can understand your reasoning but this pack that he has is classic marlboro red not filterless and the filterless wouldn't be this long they're shorter well that's what i was gonna say i thought the filter yeah that that was the one thing i was noticing and i don't think marlboro to my knowledge ever made a filterless cigarette paul malls Lucky Strikes, Camels, um, 
maybe a couple others in there, but those are the ones I used to smoke. So not to my knowledge did Marlboro ever make it. Doesn't matter. This pack, though, it's the iconic Marlboro Red pack, and that's not what he's smoking. So right. maybe he's like... But you'd think if these were special cigarettes made for theatrical use, they would, which maybe <laughs> they are, maybe they aren't, but you'd think they would have that, like... That yeah, technology, that, that gold filter, <laughs> yeah. like that the paper would be colored gold it, at the end. If like they're that. going to all that trouble already, wouldn't they just go ahead and color the paper gold? You know, so maybe what they did was, it's like Walter is not going to smoke Marlboro Lights, right? He's a man, like you said, that machismo. He's got to be big man. But John Goodman is like, I'll smoke, but I can't smoke these Reds. They are too tough for my lungs i can like inhale a light or an ultra light and make it look convincing but these other ones i just can't do it i'll be coughing during the whole scene so maybe so, they put ultra lights in there you know here's some like just in time research oh okay hit me with it hit me with your best oh, shot maybe not maybe not well this screenshot it certainly looked a certain way now I'm looking at the video. So I did a quick Google image search for Marlboro unfiltered, right? To oh, see yeah. if maybe there's a picture of like the pack or something like that. And there was a link, an image, which was the screen grab from a YouTube video that was the Paul Mall unfiltered cigarette review. But that's Paul Mall, not Marlboro. No, true. But what I was going to say about it is it's long. It's long like that. Are you Which is throwing me off. Where, where, is this the, uh, I think I see a Google image search, Paul Mall, unfiltered cigarette review. Yeah, there's like a guy with sunglasses and a hat. He looks like he's in a minivan or something. Oh, I'm not looking at that one. Um, but is there any reference? Like, is there any frame of reference? Or are you like a child who wanders into a Well, it's in, in between his fingers. Oh, see, but he, this is the classic thing. See, this is the classic thing. And this is what fishermen do, Brad. You, okay. All right. right. Like you're, you, no pun intended, hook, line, and sinker falling for this thing. You catch a fish, and then you take a picture of your fish. Maybe you're keeping it. Maybe you're throwing it back. But you want to have proof like, look, I caught this fish before you either cut it up or throw mm -hmm. it back. So you hold the fish out to the camera, and it just looks fucking bigger. Right. That's all well, he's I mean, doing here. Well, I mean, Grant, well, I'm not comparing it to his face, though. Well, I understand. You're comparing it to his fingers, which are his facing fingers, you. Which, which again, are... you're falling prey to that distortion. In this case, it's not a speed-based distortion, but it's a perspective, like a, a perspective-based distortion. Because the fingers are on. They're towards you. I think... That, yeah, that may maybe. not be quite as... I, I get what you're saying. It does look kind of long, but I don't think it's quite as long as... Well, I'll say this, we think and, and, th and this bolsters your case. And who the hell is this guy anyway? Yeah, I don't know. It's kind of a strange... It's like, yes. But he does a... Uh, I mean, I don't know a whole lot about cigarettes, so I guess I can't really comment. But what I will say is, though, to... to um, because if you, you know, in agreement with your case, as I actually watched the video, it doesn't look long like it did in that screenshot at all. And also, if you look at this fella, I can't even tell if it's the same fella. It looks like the same fella, but he takes his hat off. You know, you do the Google search 
for images and then mm -hmm. you click on the image and it brings up the little quadrant of eight pictures related to that picture down yes. there to the right. Yep. And if you look at the third one in there where his hat is off, the mm -hmm. title is Rothman's Special Mild Cigarettes Review. Yes. Which looks curiously like the other one. And then if you look at the Lucky Strike, although you can't really see it, the Lucky yeah, Strike is short. Anyway, yeah. the unfiltereds are always short. They're never that long. Right. Well, they're just like the normal cigarette but with the filter taken off. It's not like they make it longer to Correct. compensate. Correct. Because they're not like going to put cigarette more tobacco. Is always a certain length, filter or not. Yeah. Well, the, yeah, it's, they, they want to put the same amount of stuff in there because they don't want to waste money. You know, because that would be like 20% more tobacco. So they'd be losing that much money every time they made unfiltereds. And then you could buy your own filter, you know, like uh, Dick Tremaine might use or... Uh, Maybe it wasn't Dick Tremaine. Did he smoke those with the, you know, they used to do those with the, you'd have your own filter and you'd put it on the tip of it. Is that what that thing is? A filter? Yeah, it's a filter. Cigarette like holder. Like what, uh, um, uh, man, major brain fart. Well, the, uh, the comedian that was in Scooby-Doo. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's Casey all I know. Kasem. It's not, it wasn't in the chorus. <laughs> no, like the celebrity guest um, that was off and on there. I don't know what that oh, means. Oh, 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 Dick Cabot. Truman no, Capote. No, a woman. <laughs> um, oh, Marissa Tomei. Is that it? Catherine Keener. No. Sandra Bernhardt. Keep going, keep going. <laughs> Shit. Janine Garofalo. <laughs> Uh, Gilda Ratner. She was also in a lot of like game shows from the eighties, maybe the seventies and the eighties. Oh, Vanna White. And she had like a Phyllis Diller. Uh, Phyllis Diller. I have no idea who of. that is, Brad. And I don't know why Phyllis. I have Diller? a picture of her in because it's a kids show. She wouldn't be smoking a. A cigarette, would she? Maybe and it wasn't Dick Tremaine. Maybe it was. Um, no, it's there. I searched Phyllis Diller and typed, then start, then type C after it says Phyllis Diller cigarette holder, like comes up as it, a, like that was like her trademark thing. Maybe one of those little plastic things you put your cigarette in. Maybe it's Ian Buchanan from Blue Velvet. Maybe he used that. But didn't Dick Tremaine use the? Well, now I see a picture of him. He's just got it in his fingers. Hmm. Um, no. What is that? What is that cigarette holder? What is it? that's? A, there's a filter in there. I I never used one. I think so. I think it. Number one, it protects your fingers from staining. Maybe the idea was it would also protect your teeth from staining. Although I didn't. I don't think that would work because you're still getting the smoke in there. But yes, Ian Buchanan's character in Blue Velvet. Here's to your fuck, Frank. Used a cigarette holder. I don't know if it has a filter in it or not. So, can I say something? Brad, you can always say anything. It's really... Uh, this is really going to... Um, yes. Oh, Hunter the, S. Thompson. Johnny Depp. Fear and Loathing. Oh yeah, he was that too. obviously... I didn't know Ian Buchanan was in Blue Velvet. What? Is that what you were going to say? That's what I was going to say. I didn't know that. Here's to your fuck, Frank. Well, that's not, that's not Ian Buchanan that says that. Yes, it is. No, it's Dean Stockwell. 
I just oh, thought he was shit. like a, like an extra in that scene. Oh, that's Dean Stockwell that says yeah, that. Yeah, oh, of a shit. quantum leap oh, fame. Damn it! All right, I really thought Ian Buchanan delivered that line. That that's really okay. I so did he have the did did uh, that character whose name I don't know? Did he have a character? I don't know his character's who sings the candy colored clown yeah uh was he mm. so did he have a cigarette holder or no yes he did ian buchanan's character in blue velvet had a cigarette holder he's singing the whatever song with that work light that you hang underneath the car when you're changing your oil you know he's using it as like a microphone and it's lighting his face cool shot what an amazing film really yes imaginative bold everything all the holy shit all the things. How? The first time I saw that, it really wiped me out. Yeah, so I guess... I mean, I think those cigarette holders were just big back then, like in the 60s. Maybe it was just a way to put on airs, kind of. Like I feel like that was part of Phyllis Diller's thing, maybe. Um, I'm so fucked up right now because I'm looking <laughs> up Ian Buchanan and Quantum Leap TV series. He was Victor Drake in the episode <laughs> Blood Moon. But, but, but he so wasn't, yes. but he wasn't in, in Blue Velvet. Am I he wrong? Wasn't. He's, I'm wrong. Well, he's definitely not Dean Stockwell. He may well, be I know in there he's somewhere else. Dean I didn't Stockwell, know. but yeah, no, he's not in that. I thought, well, he, I just well, Google image searched this thing up. Phyllis Diller did indeed have her cigarette holder in Scooby-Doo. I don't know who Phyllis Diller is, Brad. So here's this. She's like a comedian from like the 60s and 70s. How do you know this person? A comedian. Well, I, well, okay. So how do I know her? Because she was a oftentimes guest star on Scooby-Doo. That's how you know her, from Scooby-Doo. And she appeared in a lot of like, you know, like Hollywood Squares type stuff. Like a lot of those game shows where they'd have celebrities as part of it. She She was like a regular on that circuit. Like Hollywood Squares? Is that what you're talking yes. about? Yeah, Hollywood Squares, yes. Okay. Hollywood Squares, Scooby-Doo. So like Scooby-Doo, right? There's these celebrities. I'm only vaguely only aware of this. No, because they're in Scooby-Doo. Well, Scooby-Doo was kind of like removed temporarily, right? So here I am, like in second grade. So it's probably like 1982, 83, I don't know. Um, 81, I don't know. I'm watching this. You were watching Scooby-Doo. I was out on the stone row smoking cigarettes. All right, cool. Yes, exactly. See, very different lives. (laughs) I have a sheltered childhood, without a doubt. I was watching Scooby-Doo, and there's a lot of these celebrities in here that were, I guess these these Scooby-Doo episodes themselves are like five, six years old, more. I'm not sure. So, like, there's celebrities in them. So, to my young brain, there's these celebrities in there that I think are, I don't know who they are. I just know them as cartoon characters. Like John, and they're random. Mama Cass. Jonathan Winters. But Mama Cass. The guy that sings Pretty Mary Sunshine. I think Scooby-Doo might have been on in the 60s. Because Mama Cass was dead in like, when? (laughs) That's true. (laughs) 70? 69? Now, yes, we're both furiously Google searching. 74. Well, no, yeah, I'm these searching are 10 years for old. the Pretty Mary Sunshine guy. So you were Jerry watching Jerry Reed. Him. Who's Jerry Reed? 
I don't know, but he sings some song, Pretty Mary Sunshine, in Scooby-Doo. Why do we care about that? <laughs> because what Phyllis Diller's in Scooby-Doo, and she, when I think of those cigarette holders, I think Phyllis Diller. And if you Google image search Phyllis Diller, all these headshots are her with that cigarette holder. That was like her trademark. She didn't have it in Scooby-Doo, though. Yes, she did. Well, they didn't give a shit back then. So exactly. Smoking was back okay. Then it was right. like, that's cool. How can we get these kids smoking more? Our business is declining. <laughs> Let's make some cartoons about the cigarettes in them. All right. <laughs> that's totally fine. That makes a lot of sense. I, I searched. Nine out of ten doctors agreed. <laughs> Marlboro Reds are the best cigarettes for your health. Like, it just doesn't make... Yeah, it was a different time. Well, Brian Chewy insists that um, Winston's are the athlete's cigarette. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. No, man, I can go up those stairs real good now. (laughs) I don't start coughing and wheezing at the top. Winston's. Winston's tastes good like a cigarette should. Winston's tastes good like a... Cigarette should. You know, he used to sing that at the top of his lungs in public. Um, no. Benny. Ah. And then he'd follow it up with Splish Splash. I was taking a bath with his karaoke machine on on the bar in his orange jumpsuit. Nice. Yeah. And when I searched Ian Buchanan, no, I searched Blue Velvet (laughs) singing song. Mm-hmm. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. The eighth picture is Lana Del Rey. Oh, that seems like a song she would do. Yes, yes. She's got that throwback thing going on. Yeah. Well, her whole, yeah. I think her particular brand of mystique would work well with that song. Yeah. I can easily imagine it. Yep. In fact, I think she did, no, she did cover it. As a matter of fact, watch Lana Del Rey covers Blue Velvet. Yep. Of course she did. Well, in, in Blue Velvet's song, the Lana Del Rey version has a huge section of the Wikipedia entry on Blue Velvet. Yeah, she's all the rage. It's like Bobby Vinton's version. Dink. Lana Del Rey's <laughs> version. Boom. And so it's like the, the outline Dink is like... Bang. The outline is one, history of recording, two, use in film soundtracks, three, Bobby Vinton's version. Then there's four, Lana Del Rey version, but then four is broken down into 4.1, background, 4.2, music video, 4.3, critical reception, 4.4, track listing, 4.5, personnel, 4.6, chart performance, 4.7, release history. (laughs) So the Lana Del Rey version is in essence... Like three quarters of the entry on the song Blue Velvet. See, it's ridiculous. I think about this a lot. Like when I'm looking at IMDb or something, and you know, you'll look at the 250 top rated movies on IMDb, <laughs> right. right? But right. half of them are movies that have come out in like the last 10 years. Yes. Right. Because a new one will come out and everybody's like, oh, I just saw that. Ah, oh, yeah. Blah, 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 blah. But when they put like on the waterfront, in there later right Nobody's how many people on the internet have seen that movie really six exactly me and five other people you know the port huron statement that was me <laughs> five <laughs> other guys <laughs> oh the seattle seven um 
I just have, this is not necessarily a revisit, but I want to just get it out of the way. I asked you to remind me, which I figured you wouldn't do, so I reminded myself. Good, good strategy. To tell you about, I had a story that occurred to me after we discussed the um, earbuds that become very tan over time. Oh, yes, okay, I'm, yes, yes, all right. Uh, you know, why do they become tan? It's let's not think about it too much. Anyway, so growing up, uh, you know, we lived out in the boonies, out in uh, rural Pennsylvania, and uh, parents got divorced. Mom moved out, but it's like we grew up in the house. So my brother and I, like, eh, we just rather stay here. It's our house. It's what we grew up in. It's what we know. Got my bedroom. It's cool. I can. You know, go out to the stone row and smoke cigarettes. So we stayed there. It's fine. So then it's, you know, three dudes living in the house for a long time. And we were, you know, we weren't totally filthy, but, you know, we're th still three dudes living together. Anyway, doesn't matter. That's all irrelevant. But so growing up, we had... And this is why this earbud thing reminded me of it, because we had a beige toilet. Like, most people's toilets are white, right? Ours was not. It was like, not be beige. Is beige the right word? Well, was it? I guess beige. I can picture a beige toilet. Like, yeah. I feel like I've seen those. It, is the dude's toilet not white also? Like, anyway, it was, yes. most toilets are just white. Ours was not white. It was like tan. It's like tan. Yeah. Like the earbuds. That's what reminded me of it. The earbuds are tan. Okay. And so that's the yes. toilet we had growing up. And we never did too many major renovations or repairs or like replace stuff. We didn't have a lot of money, you know? So the one day I come home and it's like, holy shit, <laughs> we got a new toilet. And we had, my dad had gone and put a white toilet, like a gleaming white toilet in the bathroom and I was like I went to him like wow you got a new toilet like wow an upgrade I can't believe it you know I mean of all things a toilet but still it's an upgrade like this is fantastic what brought this on he's like what are you talking about <laughs> oh my god I, I just cleaned it <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, and that's that's the end of the story. That's the like, end that's of the, the story. Truth. It wasn't just like, haha, just kidding. No, that's actually the end toilet. of the story. No, oh. like, what are you talking about? I just cleaned it. <laughs> so those tan earbuds, man, might want to get some. Uh, well, here, so I have Skin's one. Skin so soft and put it in there. <laughs> one. Yes. One thing to keep the tan earbuds, to keep my sanity about them. Okay. The white cable turns tan, too. Right, because you're fingering it all the time and your oils and dirts are getting yeah, on it. maybe. It seems kind of uniform. Well, yeah, okay, you're probably right. Fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> Just throw those things out. You cannot drag this negative energy into the tournament. Fuck the tournament. Fuck you, Walter. Fuck the tournament? Okay, dude, I can see you don't want to be cheered up here. Come on, Donnie, let's go get us a land. 
another Caucasian, Gary? Right, dude. Friends like these, huh, Gary? That's right, dude. Sarsaparilla. Sioux City Sarsaparilla? Yeah, it's a good one. I have a little picture. I have a visual aid, Brad. I noticed that. You see, did you like that? I I'm t- really, really want to discuss this. Let's get into it. Well, do you want to, do you want to go before I even, like you, do, you, you do it. Talk I about put this it there. Picture? Yeah, talk about, the, I'm All right, curious well, to hear so, so, so what you put here, what Adam put here is uh, two different frames from the Big Lebowski broken up into thirds. Right. Based on the rule of thirds. Right. Do which we, we want to just, right there. Yeah. You, in essence, make a grid. So you get, you know, in essence, two, imagine two lines that go down vertically, two lines that go horizontally, evenly spaced. This is what you see on your iPhone or probably any other Android, Windows phone, whatever you use. I'm going to guess has the same thing. It's you can kind of toggle it on and off when you when you take a picture. It's a little grid. So this little grid pops up and that's there to help you compose your shot because one of the first things you're taught if you are being taught how to compose a photograph or same thing if it's a, a cinemagraph as well, is to use this rule of thirds, which says or interesting a items. Or a videograph. Or a videograph. The, the items should fall along these lines, and especially on the intersections of these lines. Right. And this so, is, isn't this loosely based around like the golden mean and the golden spiral? Yes, like you can do, there's another version of it, I forget what it is, where you do the golden spiral and it's not quite even. Right. And I've had some camera apps that we can toggle on the grid and also toggle on that crazy ass spiral thing. Right. To use. It's a little more it's, nuanced. It's more nuanced, but I guess that is supposed to be like the, the super mega rule of thirds. But the rule of thirds is close enough that. Right. Unless you're like. Uh, Akira you know, Kurosawa. Yeah. Something like that. You're, it's, it's close enough. This right. rule of thirds. It gets but, you uh, there. And then you kind of play with it a little to this side and a little to that side. And. Close enough. Yeah. Exactly. So I'm not sure where you were going with this, but so in the first one, it's the shot of the dude, Donnie and Walter, and you have the, the grid lines on there. Um, and, uh, well, I don't know. It's not... So in essence, each person is in and has their own third, but I kind of feel like this doesn't strictly adhere to the rule of thirds. Exactly. And that was my point in doing this. So the beautiful thing when I first learned about the rule of thirds is, and I think it's everybody's first impulse, as it was mine, when you first start taking pictures, like when you're a kid, and say you're looking at a sunset or like the ocean or some kind of horizon or a line of trees or whatever, you point the camera and your first impulse seems always to be to do what? To center. To center it. Right? Yes. We we crave order. So mm-hmm. you yeah. put it in well, the center and you take the picture. Yeah. Well, similar to 
you know, your amazement at me being able to like discover these Vonnegut novels at this age, right? And what a, I, I believe you're going on this, you know, arc of what a cool trip that was uh, in a way. I'm so jealous of that. The, um, I, someone I know, I recently, just in the last couple of years, introduced them to the rule of thirds. They were probably blown away. They didn't know it. I mean, again, they're not, you know, you know, photography enthusiasts or anything else. But now everyone's taking pictures. Right, with right. With their phone. And somehow it came up. I think it was maybe like, well, what the hell is this grid? Like, what's going on? I was like, well, I have a rule of thirds. But I explained it. And he's like, no, that's not right. I mean, you just center the thing. You take a picture. Right. I'm like, no, you put it on the thirds. It's way better. He's like, I don't believe you. I was like, well, here, let's try it. So I took a picture of him centered, then on the row of thirds, and he was like, "Oh my god, holy shit! I, I can't believe it! It's incredible! Right. It's so it's incredible. incredible! Yeah, like even after all these years, like it's ingrained this rule of thirds ingrained in me. Like I'll still once in a while catch myself, like if I'm just like quick, like ooh, psh, snap some. There's still this like almost like instinctive impulse to at first want to center it." Mm-hmm. Like even after all this time, but the, so the fascinating thing about this shot, and which is why I put it here is when we have this three shot of our triumvirate, the dude, Donnie Walter sitting at the bar, they are spaced out. And like you said, they each have their own square. So if you imagine the two vertical lines and two horizontal lines crisscrossing, it creates nine rectangles in the frame. Three on the top, three in the middle, three on the bottom. Three, three, three. And the dude, Donnie Walter, are each in, their faces are each in one of the middle squares. If you look at the top three squares, what's what's up there? Like, nothing. The ceiling. Dead, negative space, basically. The ceiling, some fluorescent lights. Not much of interest that you'd want to look at. Look at the bottom three squares. Maybe a cigarette pack and a thing of nuts, but for the most mm-hmm. part, the bottom three is like not much to look at. All of the interest in this shot is centered, which I found fascinating. And if you look at the intersections, none of their faces are on the intersections of these rules of third, like where the lines right. intersect. Like I always try to put people's eyes on the line. Exactly. Like on that top horizontal line right okay that's where people's eyes go and especially the eye should be at one of those intersections or the right or left intersection so and bear with me here because i'm kind of riffing as i go but the dude's all out of sorts here he's not having a good time he's lashing out at his friends his friends aren't really getting how pissed off he is they're trying to help but i think they're reinforcing this this sense of um, uneasiness, maybe, by having all this empty stuff on the top and bottom in particular, and having this centeredness. So I bring it up because midway through this shot, not even midway through, at around um, 59.13, as, and in fact it's just before Walter and Donnie get up and leave, Walter starts to say, okay, dude, I can see, you can kind of see the camera, like, bobble a little bit as they start pushing in. You know, the guy starts pushing the dolly. It's on a big 
wheeled cart, you know, and the guy's mm-hmm. sitting on there with a the big camera, and they start pushing it, and the camera kind of, it's very subtle, but it sort of starts to bobble just before they start their move in. Then they start moving in as Walter and Donnie leave, and eventually it pushes in and pushes in until it's a close-up of the dude. And then, as you pointed out, there's that top horizontal line and where are his eyes? Bam. Right yeah, on right that on line. There. And his left eye in particular is almost spot on that one, the um, right hand top intersection. It's like just right. off. And maybe that's part of that. Because if you imagine the golden spiral coming out to the right and then looping mm-hmm. over, that would probably cross right through his yeah. eye. Well, and that rightmost um, vertical line, like, kind of goes right down the side of his face, right? Then, then right down to where his hand is. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is real classic rule of third stuff going on here. It's perfect. On so this they, close up on the dude, right? They went from this sort of like uncomfortable shot, and then what's <clears> funny is we'll cross over into an audio note though. The um, tumble and tumbleweeds. As we push in, oh yes, the Tumble and Tumbleweeds song starts coming in, and a couple of things to say about this while we're on audio. So that song comes in, and then at um, I have I marked down this time. Uh, let me stand by, stand by. I don't have the time, but right as we sort of settle on the dude and tumbling tumbleweeds comes in he kind of like kind of looks kind of looks off like looks askance a little bit and do you know i figured out why he does that oh it's at 5940 actually when we finally set on the songs and the dude kind of looks up curiously he remembers this song because it was on in the grocery store when he was buying his half and half and it's like tickling the edges of his memory like the hell is this song first of all it's a weird song to be playing in this bowling alley although maybe not for this bowling alley because they play weird shit all the time apparently but it's like tickling his memory like i've heard this before where have i heard this song before is it does he make that weird yeah i guess you're right yeah it kind of looks and then he he looks to the right to the left and then the drink comes gary puts the drink down he even like goes to grab the drink, and he does one of those moves where you put your hand around the drink, but you're not touching it yet, and he pauses, and then grasps it. So he's like having a contemplative moment here, and it's because this song comes on. He kind of knows it, and he, he has this spidey sense of like, something's a little different now, which leads us into the camera pulls back out, and the stranger is there. There you go. There's my bullshit dissertation on the cinematography of this scene. Roger Deakins and the Walter Donnie Deakins dance is what I call it. So the shots, okay. So there's a lot to react to. There's a lot to, I know, I'm sorry, I went on So first I'm going to start with the, this, this shot of the three, three of them and how it doesn't really line up to the rule of thirds. Right. Okay. So I have a theory on that. All right. Looking at that shot, I don't know how I would reframe it. I don't know either. Because if you 
kind of put the camera lower or tilted down or something to like bring their eyes up to level. You'd get this huge, like you'd either get like a whole bunch of what's like underneath the bar or you could get, add more of the ceiling to the shot, neither of which would be very effective. You can't really get in any closer to them because the three of them are across the table. You don't really want to like crop them really tightly like that. You also don't want to pull out and make them too far away. It's just kind of a very awkward shot to compose. You just like, and this is something I run into sometimes too, because, um, like, and I and I checked when I was talking about this to make sure because it's almost unconscious. But like, I have that little grid like just turned on on my iPhone, so I got to take a picture. I just have that grid turned on. Yeah, you want it there. Yeah, it's just like okay, line up these these things, right? I, I'm just kind of a by the numbers type of person. <laughs> but um, there's times when it's just like it's impossible to do. It's like I want these two people in the shot and I cannot line it up on the row of thirds and get them both in. It's just not possible. It's like, well, fuck it. Right. Or it's like, you know, I want a picture of like my kid and the dog and the way that they're sitting. Like, it's just not possible somehow. Agreed. Rules are made to be broken. And so well, I wouldn't say it's even made to be broken. because There's not really even being broken to any kind of like deliberate effect other than the simple fact that I want this subject in the frame. And the subject is more important than some abstract right. concept like they of couldn't perfect do this, framing. Right. They couldn't do this shot and just like, yeah, you know, dolly in closer and maybe get everyone's eyes on the on the frame line. But then it's like, okay, you're cutting off, you know, the dude's right arm and walter's left arm it would just look weird and close and then it would look even weirder because then the negative space between donnie and the dude would take up even more space on the frame and it's just it's just kind of like well this is the best we can do if we want to do this type of shot right Uh, and i am totally on board with you but they did choose to do this type of shot and then follow it up with that perfectly framed shot of the dude Right. Well, because with the perfectly framed shot, they could do it. I think here, well, they did want to do so what they what. So, yes, they could have framed it differently and did a lot of like more like cross cutting between the different people. Yeah, they wanted to do a single shot here. Think about this, too. They could have squished them together more, too. So they could have gotten closer and could have been, you know, there's there's a million different. Well, things part they of it done. might have to do with the trickery that they do here. How, again, it's all in one shot. They dolly in closer to the dude. He has his little thing. He hears the song, gets his drink. They dolly out. And now this other guy's standing next to him. Right. And it's still all one shot. Right. Sam Shepard, like the Donnie and. Please don't say Sam Shepard again. Okay. Whatever his name is. Okay. Um, the stranger is there, right? The American playwright, actor, and television and film director is not starring in this movie. Not You're not talking about the author of several books of short stories, essays, and memoirs who received the Pulitzer Prize for Drama in 1979 for his play Buried Child, right? No, I'm not. Okay. You're talking so about... So what's this guy's name? Sam Elliott. Sam Elliott. All right. <laughs> I mean, Sam Elliott, yeah, Sam Shepard, right? Jesus, playwright, but um, yeah, Sam Elliott. Sam Elliott, the biggest name they got for this movie, I guess Jeff Bridges probably was, but Sam Elliott's a big deal. They were probably slightly like, whoa, that's pretty awesome. 
Is really? Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I mean... I mean, it's Sam Elliott, man. Think of some of their previous movies, though. Had some pretty big names in them. Who? Paul Newman in The Hudsucker Proxy. Yes. Well, I would say Sam Elliott is almost an equivalent to Paul Newman. Obviously, Newman trumps him, but, you know, big time, like, long time A-list Hollywood guy. He's got that gravitas to him. Because who else? Like, Tim Robbins? He wasn't that big a deal. No. Hudsucker Proxy, like... William H. Macy, not that big a deal. Uh, Nick Cage, not that big a deal back then. Uh, you know, John Turturro, not that big a deal. At that time, at least. At that time, right. That's what I'm saying. At the time, they had these people. Did he have... I See, I don't know. I guess I'm just not that familiar with Sam Elliott's career. Well, you don't Did have to... It? know much about it except that his first movie was in like 1969 or something like he's been around forever oh yeah he's been around forever but i always thought him kind of stuck between like leading man and character actor sure i'm not gonna say character actor well he's definitely a character actor he's that's why they cast him in this role but i think like he did um he's got a little more to him than just that i think or even if he is, he's like the quintessential character actor. Like, whoa, this guy. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not like putting my stamp down on that. But I kind of feel like it might have been a bit of a big deal to have him there. Yeah, could have been. Jeff Bridges it, was still probably bigger, but I don't know. Sam yeah, Elliott. Jeff man. Bridges was pretty big as a leading man Hollywood star. Yeah, because he had Fisher King and that. Uh, Airplane crash movie. Starman. Yeah, Starman. Starman, exactly. He learns how to drive when he kidnaps what's her name and she's driving in the car with him. And like yeah. she's afraid he doesn't understand our customs too well. Mary from Indiana Jones. Right, that's her, isn't it? Yeah. She had a couple years there. And uh, she's driving, it's night, she's driving, the stoplight is there, she's going fast, and it turns yellow, and she's like, shit, I don't want to stop, because he might kill me thinking that I'm not obeying him or something. So it turns yellow, and she guns it, and goes through, and then later on, he's driving, and that's how he learned how to drive, is by watching her. I learned it from you, all right? I learned it from watching you! And then the light turns yellow, and he guns it but it's like a busy intersection or something. She's like, no, that's not how you drive. Why did you do that? <laughs> but we know, Brad, we know, because we remember the beginning of the movie where she yes. did that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's also cool just because they go from a three-shot to a single and then out to a two-shot. Like, it's just a cool thing they did, maybe, is all there is to it. I'm back on the uh, Big Lebowski now. Right. Yeah, no, no, yeah. There's, um... Like, that's cool, you know? I always felt like the way the music starts, and they pan in, the music starts, they pan out, and he's there. It's almost like you've entered another state of reality. Exactly. Exactly. Because there's no... This stranger, Sam Sam Shepard, we'll call him, (laughs) has no business being in this reality and, like, interacting with the characters in this movie. He has well, no business... You can finally sink your teeth into it, because 
this might have been our first episode or second episode, you mentioned that The Stranger is the most confounding part of this movie to you. So now you yes. can finally really sink your teeth into it. So well, lay into I mean, it. Well, when I first saw it, I'm thinking... And even even to this day, on some level, it's like, is he is he real? Is he like a supernatural character? Is he an angel that's come down to observe us or to like protect the dude or bless him or something? Like, it's very weird. It's I can't make sense of it, really. I don't mind it, but I can't make logical or narrative sense of it. Yeah, I don't mind it. And actually, watching the movie now... Again, minute by minute. Here we are, more or less an hour into the film. Right. Just a few seconds shy of an hour, and this happens. And it's like they're still throwing stuff at it. Like, usually, at this point, it's like, okay, the characters are set. The game board and the pieces are on in play. Like, we understand. Like, let's see how this plays out. But they're still throwing stuff at us. Right. With each new scene. Now, okay, now here's another... Like, okay, they threw in, you know, we met uh, the dude and Walter and Donnie, and we met the the titular Lebowski the and Jesus. Brant, the Jesus, then Maude Lebowski. They keep throwing this stuff on, you know, putting right. it more and more on top. And now here's this stranger. Yet another eccentric, strange person has shown up, and this one is perhaps the strangest of all, because what? He has no business being here. And the way he, like, narrated the movie, it's like he's this, uh, yeah, like, he does have some sort of, like, omnipotent viewpoint. But then here he is ordering a sarsaparilla. <sighs> it's like the way George Burns and Oh God, You Devil, he's <laughs> God, but he can come down and just be George Burns and order a sarsaparilla. Now, Oh God, You Devil too wasn't quite as good, was it? You know, I'm more familiar with Oh God, You Devil 2. Really? Because, like, again, it all has to do with timing. Because I remember that movie. They played Oh God, You Devil Part 2 on HBO. Oh, that kind of thing, yeah. A lot. So I think that's my main knowledge is of the, the second one. And a little bit of the third one. And I think I've seen, like, the first one, like, once. I, but I was a big fan of the second one only because it was on TV all the time. Well, like, it almost doesn't matter what it is. They put it know, on TV like all the time. You got to watch it. And then you kind of like, become a fan of it. Mm -hmm. Even if you don't like it, you're just like, well, this is kind of like this it's cultural familiar. indoctrination. It's familiar. It's something like, even though I don't like it, I can retreat to the familiarity of it. Exactly. I was that way. HBO, obviously, being the big, biggest culprit, because you're always like, ooh, let's see what's on HBO. Right. Maybe and they play the same things again and again. Right. Maybe there'll be boobs. Who knows? And the one movie that was on there was always uh, Jeremiah Johnson. Is that what it's called? Oh, Jer really? Jeremiah Jones? Or is it Jeremiah Johnson? I think it's Jeremiah Johnson. Jeremiah Johnson. Yeah, 72. And that was so. uh, Robert Redford. So, Jeremiah Johnson... Constantly seeing that thing. See, I don't remember seeing that ever on HBO. Oh, not That could be something where if it came on, I might have just... That's where the... I don't know. Oh, so I didn't Jeremiah want to watch Johnson, it. It looked so mind-numbing. Like, yeah. ugh. I, so, I can tell you why I know of this movie, if you'd like. I know of Jeremiah Johnson. I'm surprised that you know of it. 
Well, let me tell you why I know of it. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> <laughs> so there is a... I, we may have talked about this We've on another We've talked episode. about all of it. Don't worry. We're saying <laughs> the, the same shit there over is and over. A, the, the, the sci-fi channel series Farscape. Farscape. Everybody goes on and on about which the Farscape. I liked Farscape. Which, granted, I can say if you've never watched it and just kind of casually see it, you're like, "That looks really stupid." We have I was talked one of those about people, this, but you know, I'm not I ever going to watch watching. it. You're not yes. ever going to watch. I'm not doing it. Yeah, that's fine. I'm not going to push you to watch it. I mean, I've watched it. I enjoyed it. I liked it a lot. I think now going back, I don't know if it would really be possible. It'd want to, but anyway, there is an episode. Of that series, it's an early episode, and it is called. So the the, the name of the the protagonist of Farscape <laughs> is Crichton. Okay, John Crichton, and they have an episode called Jeremiah Crichton. Oh, jeez! And apparently, it is kind of like a loose interpretation of the story of Jeremiah Johnson. Oh, jeez. And I, but you had no idea at the time. I didn't know, but like I've read that because I'm such a Farscape fanatic. I've like read up on all the episodes, and they talked about how oh, there's Jeremiah Johnson, and this is Jeremiah Cry. I was like Jeremiah Johnson, what the fuck is that? And I then I had to look that up. But you never actually, you didn't watch it. I've never seen the film, but I'm aware of it. Yeah, it's tiresome. At least when you're ten or twelve, however old I was, it's extremely wearying. But it's on HBO. So, you know, you stay the course, you you put your time in, you know, you got to commit to it. So you just watch it. Yeah, Farscape, puppets, not going to happen, not ever going to happen. Yeah, no, I, I won't. I have no need to try to convince you otherwise. Nope, it's, uh, and that's fine, because it would be a fruitless task. All right, enough of that. I, I did put one more picture up there. I put the two shot into there. With the uh, grid overlaid on it, so you're good at overlaying grids with Photoshop, man. I, yeah, pretty good. Well, I just put it behind the grid. I didn't even mess with the grid. I just put it there. Took a little screenshot. So when you so pull we'll back out, we'll have to put these images into the show notes. Yeah, we'll put them up there. But what's funny about the two shot is, is um, again, they're possibly having that same issue where maybe you can't always get it right like if their faces were both on the uh upper two intersections it would just be too weird they'd be too close they'd be sitting too close together but again their faces are like dead center like their eye eyes are dead yeah or it could just be some issue of you know you you know when to break it right and and they and they know when to break it and they broke it here like no, nope, because this okay. shot, I feel like you could just move the camera and make it obey the rule of thirds. Yeah, and I don't know, would it be better or not? Hard to say. Because remember the awkward um, single of Donnie when he comes running up, saying, "Hey, they just posted the next round of the tournament," and you were watching it without sound, and the framing of that shot. He, I th- believe, he was dead center. Like watching it without sound, you said it did look awkward yeah it looked really i remember that yeah it just looked really really weird and i don't know if that was a uh, an issue of the the um maybe they've cropped it weird i don't think it was an issue of the framing as much as it was an issue of the editing mm. it just looked like a complete weird like 
two people are having a conversation, then just cut to this third guy's close up of his face, then cut back to the cuts. Like it was almost like, you know, like some kind of a cinematic montage, bizarre, like it didn't seem like he was in any way occupying the same spatial reality of, gotcha. of them. Well, don't tell Roderick Jane that it was a editing snafu. Well, it might have been a fun. Well, again, you only know it's with the sound off because right. again, you can create that sense of space with sound as well, and that's what they did. Well, without that, I think we discussed that. That and it's similar. Once to you how, turn the sound on, like that, that yeah. smoothed it over, and it was fine. Just watch those Hanna Barbera cartoons without the sound. I don't like those either anymore. Really, something weird. is off about them. I don't think it's the editing. It's something bad. I don't know. There's lots of bad there. there I don't mean bad like poor. I mean bad no, like wicked. Yes, badness. Like icky. Ickiness. Makes me feel icky. Um, Walter. So, might as well get into this for a little bit. As we enter this scene, Walter's still trying to commiserate a little bit here. A dude gets really pissed and says, Fuck the tournament. And fuck you, Walter. And everybody, like, goes quiet. Yeah. Silence. Donnie is kind of, like, looking around. Right. Whoa. A little mortified, like, aghast, a little taken aback. He's aghast. Walter's aghast. Walter says, fuck the tournament. (laughs) And I remember, this is one of the ones I remember from the first time watching it. It's a nice little trick they pull. Because you think Walter's pissed because the dude says, fuck you, Walter. That didn't even register with Walter. He just is out of his, like, can't believe that the dude is so incensed at whatever that he would say, fuck the tournament. (laughs) And that Mm -hmm. actually causes him to get up and leave in his stilted, like, deliberate plodding and walk away and take Donnie with him, and they both go off to get Elaine. Because <laughs> he says, fuck the tournament. He's so put off by that. Even though, like, he won't roll on Shabbos. Like, come on. It's a bit of a double standard. Yeah. You know, I don't know. Do you, do you well, see his walk, though, when he walks up? I'm jumping all over, but do you, when he walks off, he walks really slowly. Like, weirdly slowly. Like there was a huge light there or something. He couldn't walk too far or I don't know. Like something was going on. The crew was over there. Yeah, there's something weird about the way he kind of marches. He marches almost. But And it's slow though. It's like a slow march. Like he's taking short steps. Like he'd be, Walter goes charging around. You know, he'd be charging off. He wouldn't be slow walking like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, do you notice how uh, Donnie, like at first, he thinks he's with the dude. Right. Walter's like, I can see you don't want to be cheered up as standing up. And Donnie kind of looks to the dude with his slice like, well, I guess Walter's going a little crazy. Just you and me. And then uh, Walter says, come on, Donnie. And Donnie's like, oh, okay. Oh, oh, I'm with you I now. see. I'm supposed to go. I'm going with you. Okay. <laughs> and does that. Yeah. <laughs> <It's funny. laughs> he doesn't know whose allegiance he should be seeking. Right. And he's, he's got, he like, he's almost like, like half jo- like fast walking to kind of catch up and like 
really show Walter. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, he's way out of line back there. I'm I'm with you. Let's go get Elaine. He's just he's pretty pretty stoked to have Walter on his side for once. See, I feel like he was maybe stoked to be on the dude's side. Like the dude is the cool one. Hey, I'm with the dude. Then Walter is like, "Come on, Donnie." He's like, "Oh yeah, okay. I'm with you. I'm in that role." And then like he kind of the way he kind of like runs up to catch up with him, it almost is like subservient somehow. Oh, totally subservient. Like he's been he's totally sub I mean, he's obviously totally submissive. He but he thought for a moment maybe he was going to like step up the ranks of the wolf wolf pack somehow. <laughs> oh, maybe. Maybe, but, but you know, it wasn't to be. It wasn't it was to, not be. to be. And he's gonna take what he can get, you know. If if that means like Walter's gonna throw him a bone, even if it's a bone he's already chewed on, till there's no more meat scraps left on it, then he'll take it. You know, if that's what he's got, he'll take it and he'll be thankful for it. Otherwise, he wouldn't keep hanging around with these guys. You know, Jug Jug would find some other people. Jug would be with Liam and the Jesus. Or Jug would be with the uh, Pinkies. Somebody, you know? Maybe Smokey. So, who, pray tell, is Jug? Well, as near as I can tell, that's what Donnie's shirt says. Jug. Jug. (laughs) Jug, Brad. That's a pretty good name. This is a pretty good name. It's Gudge backwards, but it's still a pretty good name. Jug. Jug. Jughead. It's a thing... It's a name. It's a lot of different a lot of different things. Did you know Sabrina the teenage witch used the Necronomicon to resurrect Jughead's dog hot dog and brought about the zombie apocalypse? You were just um Googling Jug, I guess. Or Jughead. No, it's just something I, I tweeted about this a couple days ago actually. You just have it in there, huh? So I just, well, we just, yeah, I have it in there in my brain. It's just taking stuck up in there. valuable space. It is. Oh, I had no idea that Sabrina the Teenage Witch was an Archie character. What? I thought Sabrina the, I don't have any business talking about this. <laughs> I thought that was like a cartoon that was on a couple years ago or something. Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Sabrina the Teenage Witch was a like young person's sitcom-y type show from around, like, the late 90s. Okay, but it was live action? It was people? It was live action starring Melissa Joan Hart. I don't follow the trades, Brad. All right. I don't know who Phyllis Debler is. I don't know who Sabrina the Teenage Witch is. All righty. (laughs) Sabrina Lloyd, star of Aaron Sorkin's Sports Night. What's with that show? Is that good? Maybe if you like sports, it's good. You don't have to like sports at all. I like it a lot. Is at Chandler least I haven't watched it in a while. No, no. It's, it's pretty freaking good. No, you're a big uh, what's his name fan though. Sorkin, Aaron right? Sorkin. Yeah, I am. I kind of am. Yeah, he's all right. I guess Walter Ash is accidentally on the bar instead of in his ashtray in his his anger. I can see it. I have the, uh, right now I'm freeze framed on Donnie when he's starting to just stand up and I can see the ash lying there on the bar. Little accidental ash. Yep. Then the dude has the nut in his hand, this disgusting nut. And he, which this nut has been laying on the bar there. 
behind his drink. He picks it up, looks at it, throws it in the bowl, and it scoots out of the bowl and skitters across the bar. They had to be loving that. It's like, perfect. The nut comes skittering out. Great. You couldn't plan that in a million years. Unless uh, they're so exacting, they actually had it set up. There's like a little cable, and they had some special rig to simulate the proper physics of a nut go skittering out of the bowl. Or there's just like a little metal plate in the nut dish angling it, and the dude, they just had to do it like ten times, and the dude had to aim towards the angled metal plate to careen out of the bowl, maybe. Just keep doing it till you get it right. And at 59.21, the dude's like, Another Caucasian Gary. His mouth is all nut pasted. He's been eating these. <laughs> oh, there it is. That's. He's been eating. There it is. He's been eating these nuts, Brad. Too many nuts. So he's got like nut paste all in his mouth. And when he says another Caucasian Gary, you can kind of tell like he's coated in like. Nuts so he's actually slurry. eating these nuts. He's not just stage eating them. No, he's a method. He's actor. not just theatrically eating the nuts. Eating them. I want to get back real quick to something you said, which I had a note here about, and I thought it was very interesting. I want to follow up. We push into the dude, tumble and tumbleweeds starts coming on, and you mentioned that it's like almost like we enter a different world. You know, the dude kind of looks up. Mm-hmm. It's like, what is this song? And it gets quiet. And I listen to the whole minute. And from the beginning of the minute until 35 seconds in, there are like bowling related sounds, like be it, you know, the pin setter slamming down or the ball smashing into the pins for a strike or just like balls slamming around on the lanes. Approximately every eight, seven or eight seconds or so from the beginning of the minute to 59.35, I counted four, possibly five bowling-related sounds. And then from that point till the end of the minute, there are none. And it's only after I cheated and went two seconds ahead. It's only after the stranger says, you know, Gary's like, Sioux City, Sasparilla? The stranger says, yeah, that's a good one. Boom, then the bowling noises come back in. So they're hmm. reinforcing this um, sort of like out of place and time, different place and time idea by um, the sound design. You know, it's like everything fades away and we just hear the song and we're very close now. We hear a little bit of the drink making from Gary, but everything's close. The background has now faded away and we're just right here. So it's a nice little way to reinforce the idea of that um, sort of that transition into this different place. But then we pull back out, the sound comes back, and now the stranger's there, and it's like we're off again, even though now the stranger's there. So it's, we're still in that weird place. I don't know, this stranger is well, confounding. The stranger is there in that space, in this weird envelope that's been created. But it's like we pull back out of that envelope, and he's still there. I don't know. Anyway, it's at the very least, it's a little transition-y thing they, they did to sort of ease us into the idea that mm-hmm. the narrator now is going to literally appear on camera and interact with the characters. It's right. kind of them. 
Well, and the way that the tumbling tumbleweeds comes in, like, I don't think that I would normally think of that as being like diegetic sound. Just watching the film, because it comes in again, very loud and crystal clear compared to the previous song. The other music, the other kind of. I'm going to turn this back around on you, though. Go yeah. ahead, finish. Nope. Well, just like the way the other background noises is gone, it's almost like this is a soundtrack we're listening to. So I'm going to turn this around on you a little bit, because sometimes when I make these audio notes, you'll point out that maybe we're hearing this from the dude's point of view, orally speaking. Mm-hmm. So yes, you can yes. make that case here. We're pushing in on him. We're tight on him now. We've entered this little bit of a different world. He's hearing this song, which is tickling his memory. So we're kind of hearing this from his point of view now. Yeah, so, I'll go over. I'll you know, go for that. You can kind of like focus in on one sound, and you're not really hearing the other stuff for a little while. You can do that. Well, it's almost like as we get closer to him, the sound gets louder. Right, and the other because we're closer fade away. to his brain. Mm-hmm. And what his brain is focusing on. This is a bit of a stretch, but I'm going to keep following this for a little bit. This maybe more than a bit of a stretch. There's so there's a maintenance guy in the background. He's working on one of the lanes. I can't see what number it is. But he's wearing an orange jumpsuit like Benny used to do at the bar while he was singing Splish Splash. I was taking a bath with his karaoke machine. And he's working on this pin setter back there. And he's climbing around, climbing around. And as we push in on the dude, this happens over the course of like four. 35 or 40 seconds you can start seeing him at 59 15 and he's there until like things must be going downhill in a hurry back there we push in on the dude we get close and by 59 44 he has climbed up this is like a fantasy of mine to be oh brad to be back there and see what he's seeing you know you you're never allowed to be back there but now he has climbed up and has disappeared, like, up, up into the, into the guts, the upper guts of whatever's up there. And but that's right as we're close in on the dude, and we have entered his world. Everything has faded away. The background has faded away. The background noise has faded away. Even this dude in the background who is there has climbed up out of our vision and is gone. Well, the and, way he climbed up into that machinery is the same way we've climbed into the dude's head. Exactly. And, I and we're now seeing the stranger. So. Now that we're there. My, my question, we've entered I guess. In, we've entered his frame of reality. And that's my point, but is that on purpose? <laughs> I don't know. That seems like. It a, seems like a stretch. It seems like a stretch. You never know. Well, sometimes these things happen. So I'm a proponent of it doesn't matter if the creator didn't realize it. Right. Oh, absolutely. Or didn't do it consciously. It's still... That's 90% of anything I've ever done has yeah, been mistakes. Or, or not even mistakes, but just accidents or just something else that I wasn't aware of that maybe I saw afterwards. And then I didn't want to admit that I didn't do it on purpose. People put meaning onto things. And that's fine. Like, once you've made a thing, you need to release it, and then people can have it, examine it, chew on it, bury it, pee on it, 
make their own meaning out of it. Meaning? Meaning. Meaning. Me- meaning. Meaning out of it. And I think that pinsetter climber might exclaim, Whoa, my hammer's stuck. What? <laughs> I think he <laughs> says that. I'm not sure, though. It's way back there. It's way back there. When does he say it? Uh, I didn't write the time down. It's at... Well, I won't be it, able to do it anyway. No. Like, so you're saying, like, to jack the volume all the way up, close your eyes, listen to the headphones, you'll hear him back there exclaim, oh, whoa, my hammer's, my hammer's stuck. But it's not... Who even knows? You hear somebody way in the background say something whose syllables are similar to, whoa, my hammer's stuck's syllables. Not saying that's what he says, but somebody yells out something in the background. Oh my hand not maybe whoa my hand is stuck? I don't know. Might not even be that. Somebody yells something and that's as best as I could do. <laughs> don't do it now. It's not No, I'm not. But you gotta get good headphones. Really press them to your ears and listen to it. It's probably fifty nine thirty to fifty nine forty five, somewhere in there. It's as Tumble and Tumbleweeds is playing. Maybe on our way back out to the two shot. I want to quickly point out that um, this, to me, this minute is all about Donnie, even with as little dialogue as he has. In fact, no dialogue in this minute. I think this minute starts just after he says, "What do you need that for?" Doesn't it? Yeah, I think you're correct. With his eyebrows and his looks here and there. He's just killing it. He's killing it. Yeah, there's a lot to... Uh, I mean, if you just... Again, if you just pay attention to... Just watch this scene and only watch Donnie. As he's kind of like stuck. Right. And kind can... of like someone watching a ping pong match. Like he looks to the right. dude, looks to Walter. And then his expression changing throughout the whole as he just tries to take it all in. And you can see his allegiances shifting back and forth, uncertain. Yeah, it's good. And at 59.19, when they get up and walk away, you can hear, like, the sadness and anger in the way Walter pronounces lane. Okay, Donnie, let's go find ourselves a lane. (laughs) A lane. He really wraps his lips around it. Ah, sarsaparilla. You ever have sarsaparilla bread? I have, actually. Me too. I've had a Sioux City sarsaparilla. I have also had a Sioux City sarsaparilla. That's a good one. Can you just, like, get that in a... Excuse me, is that just, like, readily available here on the East Coast? I think so. I think it's just around. I see it at, um... I don't think in, like, your regular grocery stores, but I'll see it at, like, a... Wegmans or a Whole Foods or something, where they have their fancy soda section. It didn't used to be as fancy, because, I don't know, I used to drink that. I think I used to drink cans of that. We had a soda machine, like a vending machine, um, growing up, and I want to say there was sarsaparilla in that. Can't be sure, though. I'm trying to remember. And it was only a quarter. It's fantastic. So sarsaparilla made its debut as a patent medicine and easy easy to take form of sassafras, which was banned for many decades because it causes uh, there's a thing in it, smilax regili. I don't even know how to pronounce it. That causes um, 
They used to use it as a treatment for syphilis, but apparently it causes um, permanent liver damage hmm. and it might be a carcinogen. So they kind of stopped putting it in shit. But they did allow sassafras to be used once they had eliminated the, um, whatever it's called, Smilax, whatever crap. So I see. No, it's, uh, it's not Smilax. It's the uh, Safrol. They did tests. And large dose of Safrol caused permanent liver damages or various types of cancer. Yeah. So they stopped using that, at least until they found out how to eliminate the Safrol from the Sassafras. Use it in microbrews and root beers. Right. Birch beers. I used to chew on birch tree branches to get a little bit of that kick. Cut them off like nice, nice uh, ripe ones, nice green ones. You chew on it. Who knows what that was doing to me? Tasted good though, Brad. Really? Yeah, it tasted. It it smacked of sassafras. I will hmm. tell you, it smacked of sassafras. I'm not even sure what sassafras is. I mean, in terms of like for something to smack. I mean, well, is it just like root beer? It's more like birch beer. More like birch beer. Okay, yeah, yeah. I birch like tree. birch beer. Birch, birch beer, birch tree. I, I think they use the, I mean, like birch root to make birch beer. But I wasn't going to take the root out of the ground and chew on it because it was had right. dirt on it. So I just get the branch, which is why it only smacked of uh, sassafras or smacked of birch beer, we'll say. Because you know, I had to go up through the root and end up in the branch. So yeah. the oh, reason birch I bark, mentioned birch bark. I'm sorry, that's what birch beer is made from. Go ahead, go ahead. Bark. Well, the reason I mentioned the uh, working birch the beer location. at the Kutztown Folk Festival. <laughs> Wonder if that's a Pennsylvania thing. Go ahead. Sorry. Probably. Well, the, I had my sarsaparilla, my Sioux City sarsaparilla in North Dakota. Oh, on your trip. Yes. Wow. It was an old West tourist attraction. And you were like, hey, friend. That we stopped at. You got any good sarsaparilla? And you could walk into the saloon and they were slinging sarsaparillas. And it was Sioux City sarsaparilla. So I was <laughs> like, hey, got to get one. That's in honor awesome. of In honor of the Big Lebowski, which I did. That's fantastic. I bet you I didn't say, hey, friend, got any good sarsaparilla? No, I didn't. <sighs> How many times in your life? That's true. Are you going to be in that situation? A missed opportunity, Brad. And I'm going to put this link, and we can, uh, you know, shove it in the notes or on the website or whatever. But a book came out by Alex Belth who I believe was like a production assistant on The Big Lebowski. And it is, um, he was 25 in 96 when he landed a job as a, pers no, a personal assistant to Joel and Ethan. And so this is sort of a behind the scenes and a play-by-play -play of the making of The Big Lebowski. So that might be worth a look. And I'll put a link here. And, uh, yep. That's all I got for you. All right. What else well, you I got? That's, I don't have much. I mentioned uh, Sabrina the Teenage Witch. You did, you did really do that. 
You did do talked that. Talked about Farscape, so I'm really uh, tapped out. <laughs> right, you talked about Farscape again. Thank again. you for that. You know, I can never get enough of that. Um, always, always the best when you bring puppets into the ring. I mean, with us. because I, I could start talking about Buffy the Vampire Slayer if you oh, want. Oh, for Christ's sake! Listen, don't get me started on John Whipple. So we better. Uh, yeah, maybe we want to cut it off before I go there. <laughs> Let's cut it off and uh, throw it up on the old. Uh, Next time on Gutterball. That's some kind of Eastern thing. Far from it.